0: Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Evan Hackle. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of Training Unleashed. I want to start off and thank my sponsors, C-Suite TV and C-Suite Radio. Without them, of course, I would not have a show. Today, I have a great, great guest with me. Her name is Michelle Johnston, and she is the author of The Seismic Shift in Leadership. And we're going to get to explore leadership, but we're also going to spend a lot of time talking about training, uh, which is one of those nice balances. Okay, softball question. We're going to make it really easy for you. One of the world is The Seismic Shift in Leadership.
1: Yes, thank you, Evan. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, As an executive coach and a professor who teaches leadership at Loyola, um, I saw throughout the years that that old command and control style, which was much more authoritarian and transactional, that had been the norm for decades, was no longer effective. And I saw leaders getting pushed out of organizations. And so it was like a lightning bolt that hit me and said, oh my gosh, we're in a seismic shift. And I really wanted to help because the fact of the matter is Evan, that also had been me. I had subscribed to that authoritarian leadership style in the MBA classroom thinking that's what it took to be successful. And I didn't have connection with my students. And I realized that I needed to change, and this was years ago, to be successful, a successful faculty member. And then I start seeing it in corporate America. And then I start looking at training programs and they're still teaching more of the command and control style of, of management leadership. And that's why I, write, I wrote the book, because there is a seismic shift and we have to adapt.
0: So what are we shifting to? What is the thing, What what is the today's optimum model.
1: Yes. In order to be successful today in any type of leadership role, it is all about connection, 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 connection. And you know, what's interesting is I'm also an executive coach. And so when I, when I begin coaching leaders, I begin with a 360 feedback process where I evaluate 15 of their key stakeholders above, below, across, hence the name 360. And what I was finding in the data is that the leaders who were getting pushed out did not have connection with their teams. Their teams didn't trust them. Their teams thought they were inauthentic, sometimes fake. Who is this person? And so when I then dug deeper into the data and spent more time with these leaders, I realized that they weren't able to connect with their teams. They weren't able to connect with their companies because they weren't connected with themselves. They were trying to be somebody who they weren't, who they, like a mask of perfection. They were trying to walk into the office or walk into a Zoom, putting on this professional act, shall we say, of what they thought leadership or management looked like. And most of the times it was that command and control, do what I say, and there wasn't connection. And so my model, what I think to be successful, as you just asked, Evan, is yeah. it is connection, 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 and it's connection at three levels. And the foundation is connection with yourself, really learning how to be an authentic. So
0: tell, so tell us about that. How do we yes. Do yes,
1: exactly. So to be truly connected with yourself, is you've got to go through a process and it takes some time and a lot of self-reflection. And I had to work on it for years because I kept trying to emulate this this team I put together of my colleagues who were older men and who were so successful in the MBA classroom. They were getting faculty member of the year's awards. The students adored them. I adored them. I idolized them. So I would walk into the classroom and I would wear this mask and I would act like them, right? And it wasn't until I gave myself permission to be myself. But first and foremost, I had to figure out who I was and what my strengths were. And so I did a lot of assessments. I had to own my story. And that's what I do now with all of the leaders that I coach and all the students that I teach. We spend a lot of time owning your story. Who are you? Where are you from? What's a significant life event that made you who you are today? What did you learn from that? How did it shape you? What are your superpowers? What are your strengths? And once you really understand yourself, then you, you, you're you comfortable in your own skin. And once you're comfortable in your own skin and you're comfortable speaking up, and then you bring your whole self to work, then all of a sudden you're more interested in others and their development than you are of being liked. So it's not about you being liked. It's about you connecting with others.
0: And what is the second connection?
1: Yes, great question. So you have this, now you've gone through all the work and again, it takes a while. And and it was a huge risk for me when I was in my thirties of, oh my gosh, I really am gonna show up as me you know, And once you take the risk, and, and then and only then, Evan, was I successful in the classroom once I said, okay, what, are, what, are, you know, what type of communicator am I? I have a, an assessment that I developed on my first sabbatical, and there's a chapter in my book on it. It's owning your communication style. Who are you? How do you show up as a communicator? What, what are your defaults? So I knew that I was high action and high people. I also knew that I probably was a little bit more enthusiastic at 8 a.m. in the mornings than they were used to. I also knew that I was nurturing and I was more of a coach and a facilitator. And so for years, I'd been suppressing those qualities thinking that wouldn't be successful. But then all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go into the classroom and I'm going to tell them I am here to coach you. I see all of you as a students until you prove me wrong. Together, let's create a positive learning environment that we can learn and grow from each other we can share feedback it's all about involvement engagement role plays and so i had to take that huge risk to go in and do things differently that were more me and felt authentic and once i did that then i was connecting with those around me so that's that second level of connection with your team
0: i i I love what you're saying and if i just to paraphrase Instead of having someone prove to you their worth, you start off believing in them, believing in their worth, and in essence, they have to prove to you that they're not worthy. Is that, am I hearing that Yes,
1: and, and I will give credit where credit is due. One of the books that I read at the time was called The Art of Possibility by Ben Zander, and Ben Zander was the conductor of the Boston Philharmonic Orchestra. And he went through this landmark program and he did after and did a video and he ended up writing a book because it totally changed his philosophy and outlook on life. And it made him a better conductor because before he had conducted by fear. And so his musicians were scared. His students in his classroom were scared. And then he realized, why don't I walk in and see my musicians as all a student's? And I'm there to support them. And if they make a mistake, it was so cute. I'll never forget this video in this book. It was so influential. And so now Ben Zander would stand up and he would say, if, if a if a really you know if a musician made a bad mistake, he would say, "How fascinating. Let's learn from it." And so he created this positive environment where it was okay to make mistakes. He was there to support them and encourage them. And it changed everything. And when I read that book and I realized that was more my personality and that's who I wanted to show up as not pretending to be this other authoritarian style that didn't work. That's that level two, that connection with others. But it's only because you do the hard work of connection with yourself.
0: Nice. Okay, third type of connection.
1: So once, you, so if you can picture an, an office building and you have that foundation of connection with yourself, and then you're able to show up as yourself and connect successfully with others, then you have the connection with the organization. And this is what surprised me the most. I interviewed... Um, 18 leaders from around the world to really, you know, piece apart and deconstruct connection. What are we talking about? Tell me about failures. Tell me about successes. And when I asked CEOs in particular, and there's one in New Orleans called Warner Thomas is his name, and he's the CEO of what's now a 40,000 person health, health system, and he's grown it exponentially. And I said, Warner, tell me about how you successfully connect with auctioner your organization and this is what surprised me i didn't see it coming and i ended up writing a chapter on it he said it is about owning your calendar who are the stakeholders around you that will enable your success that you need to be successful what are your top three or top five priorities? Look at your priorities. Look at the key stakeholders that you need to be successful. And you, only you, you've got to own your calendar and create an operating rhythm, or some call it a communication rhythm or a meeting rhythm. But it's figuring out who you need to meet with and what types of meetings you need to have. And now we're doing so many of them on Zoom every single day to allow you to be successful. So connection with the organization. First, take alignment, are you personally able to align with the organization's goals and walk the talk and, and and motivate people to support those that vision of the company because you believe it? That's first and foremost alignment. And then it's creating that operating rhythm, owning your calendar so that you can connect with those at the organization so you can be successful.
0: So if we could go back in time, 70 years ago, 80 years ago, where authoritarian leadership, top-down leadership was the rage, that's how businesses were operating. And we could whisper in the ear of some CEO, of some, you know, we'll say General Motors, and they embraced what you're describing now, what would have happened? And the, the nuance to my question is, is the change in leadership Because people have changed, generations have changed, expectations have changed, or would this style of leadership work with anybody, just it wasn't tried back 70 or 80 years ago?
1: Evan, you have no idea what a perfect question that is. Um, I was a corporate brat growing up, and we moved every two years because my father worked for General Motors. (laughs) And so I had a front row view, really not front row. He was on the front row. Um, but every night at dinner, our family ate dinner together. We are a very strong nuclear family. And I heard about General Motors, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And my father is still alive and still drives General Motors cars and loves the company. And so he was really good at his job, which is why back then the model was, if you're really good at your job and you get promoted, they need to move you to a different market to lead people who you were not just peers with. And I don't think they do that anymore, but that's why we moved every two years. And so I remember when he was in Detroit, we were in Rochester Hills, Michigan, because in order, you've got to go through executive offices, right? If you're working, you got to go through Detroit. And I remember him coming home at night and saying, gosh, I wish I could get the executives attention I wish they would listen more because I'm not sure these are the products that that customers want to buy right now but I don't really feel like I have a strong enough voice or they're even open to listening and and let's let's date me now that was in the 80s and so I remember getting my driver's license and i remember saying dad um because i inherited my grandfather's old oldsmobile <laughs> yeah and that does not exist anymore oldsmobile I, doesn't I drive an old myself yes and so i was so appreciative that i get a car when i was 16 and it's my grandfather's Oldsmobile, and i'm driving this car around and all of my friends are driving hondas and toyotas and i said dad you, you need to tell executive office you need to tell the executives that Something's there's a there's a seismic shift happening, and Americans aren't necessarily as loyal as they used to be. And they're and and he said no 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 they're not no 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 and they had convinced themselves that they were almost immune to this 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 trend. They're not going to buy no they're going to buy American. Well as we all know what you know, ultimately happened General Motors had to declare bankruptcy and so many of, of the brands that I grew up with, you know, no longer exist. So yeah, to answer your question, Evan, I do think that that if a huge hierarchical command and control company like General Motors had been a bit more open to true connection, which takes you know really good listening skills. We don't have all the answers. We want to know what's going on. What do you like? Instead, it was very much power at the top. This is what we're convinced that Americans and, and the world's going to want to buy. And then they pushed it down and it, it didn't work.
0: Well, you know, it's it's interesting because I didn't pick General Motors by accident because to me, they're the classic example. Because in, in you know the early 1960s, they're the largest company in the world. There was a saying, as goes General Motors, so goes the economy. Um, they had $40 billion in cash. It's like they're having like three quarters, excuse me, a quarter of a trillion dollars in cash today. And even with all that money, all that profit, all of that, they could not adjust to the incoming Uh, Japanese car companies with just 40 years notice Um, and uh, to me it's uh, an example of modern tragedy. Having said that, I do think that there is a very strong argument that back before, because of the depression and people's fear of losing jobs, certain employees were not open to being forthright. because. They were so concerned about not risking livelihood, where today people are more than open to taking risk because the younger generations are, they're demanding an opportunity to participate. So I, I definitely see, see, see what you're saying. Tornal Training's Learning Matter experts are passionate about designing effective solutions that move the needle. Whether your organization needs development of e-learning courses, instructor-led training, or assistance with creating optimized electronic versions of employee handbooks, our team can help. To learn more, visit tortle.com learning development. So let me shift the gear to training. How do we take your concept and bring it into modern day training?
1: It's all about connection. And so when you're, I was a corporate trainer in my twenties and loved it. I got recruited. I live in new Orleans. And the reason why I live here is I was recruited by a small consulting firm, um, called Spectra. And I went around as a corporate trainer and I led workshops on meeting management, presentation skills, listening, teamwork. And, and so, so I'm very familiar with, with content um, that is delivered in those workshops and it the content now really should be all about connection. if you're trying to train managers to be effective, it's deliberate meaningful connection. How are you connecting with your with your employees and it should not just be professional. So first, how are you connecting with yourself? Do you feel like you're just kind of you know faking it to show up your professional self and that you can be your real self at home? those days are over. I mean that did exist. And, and I have a leader who I'm coaching right now and when, for a hospital system. And when he came out of the pandemic, he said, Michelle, you know, I'd really love to have my, my leaders over. He, he is in charge of, I think, 2,000 people. He said, but I'd love to have my leaders over to my house for a cookout. But I got to be honest with you. He said, my last job, my boss told me, no, no, no. You have your professional self and you have your personal self. And those two don't mix. I said, we'll call him Gary. Those days are over invite your people over for a cookout. He said it was the best thing that he ever could do to establish meaningful connection. And so we're all going really hard and we do have to talk about the priorities and increasing revenue and how are we going to be innovative. All of those items are still on the agenda. However, in order to train managers right now, any sort of leader, it's got to be what are you doing to create psychological safety with your team, to create trust, And to embed meaningful connection, not just for you to connect with your team, but on Zoom or on Teams, how do you create that environment of psychological safety and trust and connection with each other? Because then and only then are you going to get that high-level team peak performance that we all want out of our teams. We all still rely on teams. How are you going to get it in this hybrid virtual environment? You have to embed meaningful connection.
0: So let's uh, take the concept that you have, and let's just say for the moment, you're heading up a training department for you know, a, a billion dollar company. And you know your role isn't just to train people on leadership, but you know you've got to train people on you, know, safety, how to use equipment, processes, procedures, software, all of these things. How do you take this concept of connection into the development of the curriculum and what you're going to offer and how the training is going to execute?
1: Yeah. So one of the things that I learned, I've been so fortunate and Marshall Goldsmith, who is the um, number one executive coach in the world, and he's my official mentor. And he invited me to be a part of this group called the 100 Coaches, the top global coaches. And we're on Monday morning calls. And what we do, and in, in we begin with a icebreaker where we all, a connection question, where we go into breakout groups and we get to know each other in the breakout groups through this question, you know, of, you know, it could be easy as give me a high and a low, or, you know, give me um, what are your summer plans? Just something on a personal level And then you kind of come back to the big group, you go through the agenda, right? And then you might end with um, what are the takeaways and and what are you most grateful for? So, so much of what I'm advocating, to be honest with you, Evan, in, in running meetings today goes back to my days as a corporate trainer of what we know you need to do to get people to learn, Adults learn by doing, adults learn by connecting. I mean, those in-person trainings were, were fantastic because you had so many exercises in your tables to connect with each other to go through role plays to to write it up on the the flip chart we need to 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 simulate those those conditions again and figure out how to do it virtually because that's what i mean by connection we don't really learn at that higher level when we can teach somebody these skills until we're comfortable not just with the material but with each other and so that's what i mean by 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 creating yeah. so deliberate no, to, yep to
0: paraphrase what you're saying is that our training systems shouldn't be all reliant on one directional training. standardly learning, uh, talk at you, webinars or Zoom meetings, that they should be really focused on a blended learning where people have an opportunity to literally connect, ask questions, do interactive things so that they feel the training.
1: Absolutely. Yes. As a matter of fact, I'm even telling leaders who run meetings on Zoom that if you think that you can just show up and you sent everybody the agenda and it's one way transactional boom, boom, and you've accomplished your goals, you didn't. And so, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying, Evan, is we need to um create these these moments of of beautiful connection of of, of and it can be related and it should be related to your topic. So say you're delivering a workshop and in innovation, creativity and innovation. Well, then the icebreaker or what I call the the connection question is tell me about like the most embarrassing mistake you've made. um. And, and and we did that with a big CFO who just got on stage because that's what he's trying to get his, his employees to take risks so that they can be the most innovative company right now. And he said his opening story was, he goes, I made a $25 million mistake and I'm owning it. I thought we were going to go one way on the strategy and it didn't work out and we had to pivot and thankfully my boss didn't fire me i still have my job and we learned a lot from that mistake I don't want you to make $25 million mistakes, we would not still be in business, but I want you to know that it's okay to make some mistakes, you got to take the risk if we're going to be innovative. So that's what I'm advocating is just beginning with these with, again, assuming that you're on zoom and these breakout groups with a question that relates to the topic that you can form these smaller communities. I just delivered a keynote and there were, oh gosh, I think 900 people. I, I wasn't able to put them into the little breakout groups, right? But I kept saying, okay, here's the question, and I need you to write down the answer and then share it in the chat and do some emojis. You've got to get them engaged and interacting with the material so that it's not just about me um, one way. Couldn't agree with you more. Well, Michelle,
0: this has been great. You're clearly passionate, which I love. And, and uh, I strongly concur with your whole concept of connection and the seismic shift that you're seeing in, le- in leadership. Um, people are interested. They want to know how can they connect with you? What, uh, you know, what types of people do you reach? What, uh, you know, I, know you've got a, I know you've got a book. I know you're a professional speaker. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and how people can reach you if they want to connect with you.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, you can go to my website, Michelle with two L's, Michelle K com, And it's Johnston with the T. So Michelle K And I have, um, there's a link to buy the book. And I just launched my own podcast called The Seismic Shift. And you can access that there. And all of the podcasts and I'm on, I'm on a podcast tour and a speaking tour right now. Um, I just worked with one of my favorite cl- new clients, Qualcomm. Um, their, their, their whole thesis is connectivity, their whole mission, their whole mantra. And so it's really good alignment. Um, and so I have all kinds of great resources and information. Of course, my book is, a uh, you can buy it on Amazon. It's an Amazon bestseller, which I'm so excited about and, and just feel incredibly grateful. So yes, please on the, on my website, there's a way that you can reach out and contact me. I would love to hear from you. I'm also on LinkedIn as well. Fantastic.
0: Okay, we're back to the my favorite part of the show, which is if you had one tip to share with our audience, what would that one tip be?
1: Embed time in your interactions for meaningful connection. Don't just go back to those one-way transactional um, moments. Where you think you can just deliver information and and it's successful? You know, one of the best quotes is the only message that counts is the one that's received, and the only way that we're all going to figure this new world of work out is it's not happening organically. These connection moments, and so embed time to meaningful connect. I'll end with this: one of the leaders in my book is the global president of Kind Bars, K-I-N-D, the snack bars, and um and and I just interviewed him for my podcast, and I said Juan is. His name is Juan Martin. I said, Juan, you're the global president. You've got people all over the world. How in the world are you connecting in this virtual environment? And he lifted up his cup of espresso. And he said, Michelle, I'm a European. He's from Spain. He said, I love my espresso. My people know that when they show up for meetings with me, we're going to spend at least the first 10 minutes having a cup of coffee together and just connecting. And I found, I found that beautiful. So embed time to meaningfully connect.
0: You know, it's interesting you say this. I was at a European trade show and every booth I went to, the first thing they did is offer me coffee. And it's like how much coffee can one drink in a day? But it's not about the coffee. It's about the connection. So I I think uh, your example is great. And I love the idea of embedding time and planning for it. I think a lot of people, they confuse speed with effectiveness because effectiveness is more than how fast you do something, it's how well you do it. And what you're describing is creating the connections so that people are more effective in communicating, more effective in buy-in, more effective in listening. And these are all great points. So I wanna thank you very much for being a guest. I wanna thank our listeners as literally you make the show. And of course, I wanna thank my sponsors, C-Suite TV and C-Suite Radio. Um, Michelle, it was great having you on the
1: show. Oh, Evan, I love being on the show. Thank you so much, the listeners. Have a beautiful day.
0: Training Unleashed is brought to you by Tortal Training,
1: specializing in e learning and interactive online training solutions for corporate, government, nonprofit, and franchise organizations. Tortal makes effective training easier. Just go to tortal.net to gain access to real world tools that can make a difference. That's tortal.net. T O R T A L